0: Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to Nectar Sex and Soul. I'm your host, Saraya Leonora, and I'm a holistic sex and relationship coach. This is a chance for us to get intimate, to reach far into the mystical, magical, erotic, tender, inspiring, vital, primordial depths of what it is to be human, what it is to express and inhabit these amazing bodies fully, and what it is to make love to the divine in everything we do we'll be penetrating deeply into the nectar of what it is to be alive and turned on by life, how to transmute pain and hardship into pleasure and medicine, how to embody the union of polarities, including sex and spirit, and how to love every piece of ourselves wholeheartedly. This is a space where we don't just talk about the act of sex, but rather how sexual energy permeates every area of our lives as the seed of creation and the source from which we all came. Exploring sexuality in this way not only takes our sex lives to the next level, but is a catalyst for a life that turns us on in each and every moment, not just in the bedroom. Within you stirs a sexual vitality that is capable of so much more than you could possibly imagine. This is what we explore on Nectar, Sex, and Soul. Thanks for coming to play. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Nectar, Sex and Soul. This is Saraya. Today's episode was really a treat. I had Alyssa Troub on. Who is another human design specialist like myself amongst many other things and we got into a really juicy discussion around deconditioning meaning peeling away the false layers of self to come home to the authentic truth of who you are and how to live in alignment with that through the lens of human design i really like this episode as both an introduction to anybody who is new to human design and who is curious about it. We break things down in a way that's very accessible to the beginner. In the beginning, you might find yourself a little bit confused, but give it a minute, stick with us. We do unpack everything in a way that you can better understand. And this is also a great episode for anybody who is super into human design we get into so many territories around how to decondition and come home to the truth of our own authentic eros our sexual expression the way that we run our energy in the world the way that we come into alignment with our unique strategy and authority to live a fulfilling life and show up as fully as ourselves as possible We also discuss how human design can be so helpful for not only knowing yourself, but understanding the people in your life. Because if you understand how they work differently than you, we can stop taking things personally. We kind of have a roadmap as to how our loved ones work and how we can best meet them, how we can best love them, and how we can best harmonize in our relationships rather than butting heads or having tons of misunderstandings and miscommunications so this episode is so rich with so much wisdom i loved talking with Alyssa. she's an amazing woman and i'm really excited to get to share this episode with you today enjoy hello everyone welcome back to another episode of nectar sex and soul I'm your host, Saraya Leonara, and today I have Alyssa Troub with us, and I'm really excited to drop in with her. There are so many topics that we could cover. We're probably going to end up doing a couple episodes together because we have so many fun points of intersection and ways that our work complements each other and... We're just going to see where this takes us, but we have a lot of fun things to discuss and share with you all. And Alyssa describes herself as a magician in 5D and everywhere else a holistic coach, and I love that so much. Uh, she's a super multifaceted human being, and I would love to just invite you, Alyssa, to share a little bit about yourself, who you be, what kind of work you offer the world, and thank you so much for being here.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you for the invitation to be here. My projector mm-hmm. body loves that. Yes. Um, it's so funny when you just spoke to the the magician in 5D. I'm not even going to lie. I wrote that sitting on the toilet. Like I filled out your form sitting <laughs> on the toilet. I was like, I don't know why. I just kind of like take my computer, sit here. It was like cozy and warm. It was snowing, and uh, I was like, yeah. When you just said it, I like blinked back to the moment I wrote that because it was like a little bit of an edge for me to be like, oh, I'm a magician, but my conditioning is so logical, right? It's like, oh, trained dietitian in the sciences, super logic. And my true self is like full middle finger to that, right? It's like, <laughs> like always giving it the side eye. So I always kind of push my edges on it. And when you just said it, I giggled. I was like, yep, cool. That's a good edge to push here. And I that's love that. exactly like where I'm at in my life is what you just spoke to and how you work, which is just so holistically, bringing in all kinds of modalities between human design, astrology, you know, energetic, sexuality, nourishment, embodiment, all of these pieces that how can you just teach one of them? Exactly. Because as we just spoke about for what we just flowed <laughs> for like 30 minutes, none of them happen in a vacuum. None of them happen separate from each other and they all impact each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I love that we share that perspective so much and I find sometimes It can be overwhelming to stick to one topic because everything just pieces into everything else and it's this beautiful interconnected web and I see that you really think very similarly and so I'm just excited to get to nerd out on the things that we're both passionate about.
1: Absolutely, which I, as we just talked about, I didn't even realize that you were passionate about human design and that you weave it so intimately into your work. What got you into it? I'm really curious.
0: Oh, that's a good question. So, okay. I hated human design when I first heard about it. It was the kind of thing where like it was the wrong messenger. And it, it was frustrating because some of what he was saying was really landing with me, but he was speaking to it in a very dogmatic way that I was like, ew, this feels so gross. Get away from me. But he, he told me I was a projector. And so he was like, you have to wait for the invitation. And like when you went in right there and tried to give me a hug to greet me, that was so intense on my aura. Like I did not invite that. And you can't just invite yourself into situations. He's like, my mom's a projector. And when she calls me and I didn't invite that, I'm so annoyed. I'm like, don't call me. You're a projector. (laughs) And I was like, what the hell is this guy saying? What is this system? And I was so turned off by it. But there were things he said About the projector, not initiating and kind of needing to wait for that energetic recognition or invitation, if not a direct invitation. And I was like, that is that is very true for me. I was traveling in Mexico at the time and traveling solo is really always an interesting thing for me because I don't just like go up and introduce myself to people like that's never been my vibe. And it feels really uncomfortable for me. And I feel very shy in that way. But if somebody comes up and introduces themselves to me or starts talking to me, I'm not shy at all. I can drop right in with them. And so I didn't understand that about myself, but I very much was already operating as a projector in that way. And when he was kind of explaining that need for the invitation, I was like, I do really resonate with that, but I don't like how forceful and intense you're being about this. So I kind of tabled it for like a year and was just like that whole thing was weird. And then I had a joint birthday party with one of my friends maybe like four years ago. I was new to Boulder. I didn't know that many people. We're both projectors, both Leos, and we each invited like 30 people. And like two of my friends showed up and like 30 of hers showed up. And I remember being like, and it was at my house. And I remember just being really sad of feeling like unseen and like not celebrated. And and I just kept remembering the thing he was saying about recognition and needing to wait for the invitation. And it just kept coming into my awareness of like, I think there's something I really need to understand about human design and what it is to be a projector. And I'm going to start looking into this. And um, when I I took a class on being a projector and I was just like sobbing, I was like suddenly my whole life makes sense and I don't feel crazy and all of these different pieces are being put into context. And this is, this is life-changing for me. And so that was kind of how I got into it. And I just became obsessed and started absorbing it like a sponge from there. Yes,
1: yes. like a sponge. That is yeah. the projector. Yes. That's, I just had this conversation, that exact phrasing yesterday with a client who's a projector. And we were talking about how she feels around her family who live mm-hmm. in a different country and then how she feels when she's not with her family. And mm-hmm. you know, I was like, yo, you are a sponge, 20% the population are sponges. Yes. They're taking in everyone's conditioning. And we don't know we're sponges. We're like, this is normal. Everyone's like this. This is how we interface with the world. And then you realize you're a projector, like you said, and you're like, oh, you mean some of what I'm absorbing, some of what I'm marinating in is not mine. It's just mine to know intimately so that I can right. guide those who have also been under that conditioning or been mm-hmm. in that same marinade. And it's like, it is. It's People sob. People have the relief of like, oh, as you said earlier, all of a sudden, everything makes sense now. And that's just like revelatory for most people that are projectors.
0: Yes, and such a relief. And and let's just give everyone a quick little breakdown of what human design is. I've been weaving this in for those of you who have been listening, some of you may know, some of you may not. Understand what human design is, but it's basically a synthesis of a bunch of different systems, Eastern and Western astrology, the Chinese I Ching, the Hindu chakra system, the Kabbalah tree of life, and quantum mechanics that gives us, I see it as a roadmap of Helping us come into deeper alignments and authenticity for each of us as unique individuals. And Alyssa, you said something in one of your podcast episodes about how it's, it's a way of helping us live with less resistance. And I thought that was really well said. I often say it's kind of like a greasing of the gears. So everybody has their own kind of energy mechanics and how they work as an individual and. We're very conditioned a lot of times to all live in the same way, to operate in the same way. Like there's this one size fits all approach, which most of us have realized that's not the case. And human design can really help us decondition and come home to the truth of who we are as a unique individual so we can live a more authentic, aligned life. Is there anything you want to add to that?
1: Well said. You know, I would say as people listen to that and they think of like when they hear decondition, a lot of times people are like, what do you mean decondition? Sure. And that that one is so important to understand what we mean by decondition, Mm -hmm. because I think what you just spoke to, which is there is no one right way. Right. The fact that we believe that, even those of us who are privy to, you know, energetics and mechanics and uniqueness we still have that like really deep genetic imprint of there's a right way to do this. Mm -hmm. There's a right way to go through life. There's a structure we're supposed to fit into. We're supposed to look a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way. And that is homogenization. So even any belief you have technically is conditioning, Mm -hmm. right? It might be conditioning from family. It might be conditioning from education. It might be conditioning from the literal environment that you live in. Every single input in life is a condition. And the more we are exposed to it, the more it impacts us and becomes part of our identity and our persona. It's the classic, ring the bell, feed the dog, right? Every time the dog was fed, the bell was rung, the dog would salivate, the dog would go get its food. It started to associate the bell ringing with eating. And so every time the bell rung, the dog would salivate. And that is conditioning. we are all conditioned to go, oh, it's sunny out. That means it's going to be a nice day. Oh, you know, my stomach hurts. That means I'm going to be sick. Literally everything we experience is conditioning. And Mm -hmm. it's not bad. But deconditioning, as you just spoke to, Surya, is a way of coming back to the conditions of yourself that are Mm -hmm. correct for you, like who you are here to be. And it's not about the nuance or the like prescriptive state of oh you know sarah is here to be an emotional projector an opportunistic role model so now go put that costume on and go into the world no it's a permission slip to actually come back to what that looks like for you as an emotional projector in your uniqueness as a 4-6 and that's going to look so different from another emotional projector who's a 4-6 sitting next to you everybody is different it's not about putting on a costume that's what conditioning <clears> does it gives us a costume to put on that's correct This is about coming back to the weird, strange uniqueness that is each of us.
0: I love how you just spoke to that, Alyssa. And yeah, a lot, I think a lot of people can be resistant and worry that they're going to be labeled or something or put in a box. And it's not that at all. It's like every component in an ecosystem plays its own unique role and needs to do it in the way that it's designed for that nobody else can fill it in that way. And so There's like something unique and special that we all have to offer in a specific way that we all operate, that we can just get lost underneath all the layers of false self or what human design calls not self and other people's projections and all the all the types of conditioning you talked about that, you know, we can look at ourselves and be buried underneath all these layers of conditions that we can't even see who we are underneath it all. And that can be really confusing when you're trying to figure out what you're doing as a human in this weird existence.
1: So true. So true. And yeah, it's, you know, the first time I never, I didn't put these two things together the first time I heard it. But Mm -hmm. over time, they always, when I'm having this conversation about conditioning, it always comes back to this. It's Alan Watts talks about symptoms, like copying symptoms of something. And he tells the story of being a little boy and Mm -hmm. seeing all these really intelligent people and then copying the symptoms of those intelligent people because he wanted to be intelligent. So like, I'm going to dress a certain way. I'm going to look a certain way. I'm going to read these certain books. And we do that. Oh, I want to be sexy. So we copy the symptoms of sexy. Mm. Oh, I want to be spiritual. So we copy the symptoms of spiritual. Mm -hmm. I want to be empowered. So we copy the symptoms of empowered, as opposed to going inward, walking our own path and being like, you know what, those people that are sexy, that are spiritual, that are empowered, that are whatever, wealthy, this, that and the other thing they are attractive because they are unique. They have a rarefied frequency that feels sexy, that feels attractive, that feels empowered, that feels prosperous. And that is why they are those things. They're not actually copying symptoms. And I think that is the gold mine of human design. Yes. It's like, let's actually come back to the rarefied frequency that we each hold. And then whatever qualities we embody, whether it's, you know, mean, strange, all over the place, grounded be those things, the most they can be bead, embody them to the fullest. And that is when people start getting pulled to you because they're like, Oh wow, she's a weirdo. Or like, Oh wow, that resonates. Oh wow. I want that projector. I want Soraya to guide me through embodied sexuality because I can feel that that is her frequency. And I think that is for me, the most provoking part of human design is to really bring people, bring myself, back to that rarefied frequency and then just see what happens
0: yes yes absolutely and that that embodied authenticity i always feel is the sexiest quality and that's gonna that's gonna broadcast a frequency that acts as a really special kind of filter or refinement system to bring us our people because if we're trying to be somebody we're not we're gonna keep calling in these like mismatched misaligned people and opportunities and situations. And so it's like being yourself is is going to yeah grease the gears for the pathway of least resistance to living the life that feels the most fulfilling to you.
1: So poetic. That was good.
0: How did really you come lovely. into human design? Um
1: through astrology. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who was really into both and we would just have these like existential conversations. And one day she was like, oh I pulled your human design and I was like my what? She's like, you human design. And I was like, okay. She like shows me. I remember she like shows me the PDF, like the, the OG, like Jovian Archive. And I was like, yeah, I don't know what that means. She, you know She's like, this is your body graph. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means. But I just see where the energy is. Mm-hmm. And I that's a yes for me. I'm like, mm-hmm. yep, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she's like, you are a projector type. And I knew you were because you're so intense. And I was like... <laughs> yep (laughs) okay cool and it just landed so yes that I didn't even touch it like you Mm -hmm. I was just like cool I like astrology you know I'm into it I'm really deep in learning it I'm just gonna let this sit here for a second and then I maybe about six months later Mm -hmm. I was doing a retreat we're in here in Boulder with three other women and the dynamic of the interpersonal was very interesting and kind Mm -hmm. of strange. And I was like, yeah, and for some reason I need a baseline to make this impersonal. Like I need to feel this dynamic as impersonal so that Mm -hmm. it doesn't rub me the wrong way. And for some reason I was called to like pull everybody's human design. And I did. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. This is creepy accurate. And now none of it feels personal. And I'm a cancer. I'm a cancer. My son's in the seventh house.
0: I'm all about relationships.
1: Like, I have the most tender underbelly. When you actually get to know me, I am like a melting stick of butter. You know, that's just like how I am. And so things, have, for me, have to feel impersonal for me to be able to meet them in a way that doesn't have attachment. And so it's human design that really allowed me to look at someone and go, oh, those are mechanics. That's how they are. That's how they're supposed to be. Just don't worry about it. Don't take it personal. Just learn how to flirt with it. Learn how to seduce that energy. Learn how to play Mm. with that energy. You feel it. You see the mechanics. Now go do it. Don't take it personal. And that truly was such a game changer for me Mm. that I was like, I have to weave this into my work. I have to weave this into the avenues of nourishment at the time, which was my, you know, as a dietitian working holistically, I started doing what you mentioned you did, did before which is like pulling people's human designs in the background mm-hmm. and then you know generators using their strategy using that hey I'm gonna engage your sacral center do you have an in the body uh-huh a lean in uh, mm delicious or are you pulling back are you contracting are you closing starting mm-hmm. to use those things and seeing it work seeing entry points where I hadn't before and I was like all right I need to get properly trained in this and that way I can really know the, ne- the nuance and it's been a life changing, game-changing tool to use professionally and also just in my own personal life.
0: Yes. I love that you spoke to that because, yeah, I find it as like, you know, we, we have like the golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated and then like the platinum rule of treat others how they want to be treated. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like, you know, we, we all have different love languages. We have different astrology, different human design. And So sometimes like you might have a way that you give and and like to receive love and my way might be different. And if you're not receiving that type of love from me and you make it personal of like, oh, well, she doesn't love me. She doesn't care about me when really we're just kind of speaking different languages and missing each other. And we don't understand that about one another. It can create this conflict or like feeling like we're just missing each other. And so I find it as an incredibly helpful compatibility tool and relationship to just help people learn how to work together, learn how to meet each other's needs, learn how one another communicates and how they can meet and, and find that point of harmony and I love how you were able to kind of break down the group dynamics that you were experiencing and not taking it personally and recognizing that we all activate different parts of each other based upon how our energy mechanics connect like, like magnets. And so, you know, like oil and water doesn't really mix together and like sugar and fat goes really nicely together for our taste buds. <laughs> and so there's, there's like different ways that we're going to. Push up against each other or synergize really nicely, and when we can kind of see we're designed in these different ways, and how do we how do we work to show up to meet each other based upon how we each operate? There's so much more that's possible there.
1: Well said, so well said. Yeah, and that's I mean I love how you just spoke to the mechanics and relationship specifically, Mm -hmm. like composites and the magnetic field, the electromagnetics of relationships, and also you were saying that I'm like yeah that for people to see that that's actually usually what is the most dynamic for people on my end is seeing their own design, really getting to know their own design, unpacking some of the patterns that they're like a little cringy or like stuck with, but then taking that to the next level and seeing the people around them and seeing how mechanically they interface with the people around them. Oh, we're drawn to each other because we have the 596, the channel of intimacy and mating. And so all of a sudden they're, the tension in the relationship makes sense. The gate Mm -hmm. six is friction. You know, the law that growth cannot exist without friction. I mean, think about that in the channel of intimacy and mating, right? It's like to have that push pull and to be able to name it and be like, oh, cool. That weird tension I feel, that's actually on purpose.
0: Mm. There's a reason
1: for that. It's mechanical. That kind of stuff is game changing for people.
0: Yes, absolutely. It just, it puts everything in a larger context and it gives us an opportunity to alchemize some of those like crunchy shadowy pieces of ourselves to see like, okay, this is a theme in my life that I'm here to learn how to up-level around. This is a challenge where I get to really dive into this uncomfortable piece of myself or this uncomfortable part of my partner or my mother or whatever. And, you know, how, how can I show up to meet that challenge to really grow instead of it being this thing that constantly causes us to loop out? Yeah, well said. And
1: that is so part of the deconditioning. Like in my opinion, following strategy and authority obviously reorients us to be like, "Hey, I'm not going to make decisions with my mind, which is so deeply and thoroughly conditioned." Yes, mm-hmm. that is the primary deconditioner, but reorienting to what you just said, which is like, mm-hmm. "Hey, I'm going to meet this challenge instead of it being a bad thing, right? Instead of using that channel of intimacy and mating, I notice you have the gate 59 of sexuality mm-hmm. in your open sacral as well. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of going, oh gosh, there's tension here. This relationship's kind of uncomfortable. That must mean it's bad. Right. Or it's wrong. And so I should end it. Instead of perceiving it that way, it's like, oh, wait a minute. This is actually an entry point. This tension, mm-hmm. this friction, this conflict is actually an entry point. Should I choose to make it one if it feels natural Mm -hmm. where i can maybe enter into deeper intimacy with myself and with the other and so Mm -hmm. that also is a whole space of reorientation of like hey things aren't always as we've been conditioned to perceive them as
0: right absolutely and and let's Let's kind of unpack the strategy and authority you just spoke to for a minute, because, yeah, most people are conditioned to make all their decisions with their mind, And the mind, the key player in many areas of life, like we love the mind, but we tend to let the mind dominate. And human design speaks to the mind not being the place where we are meant to make our big life decisions. And everybody has their own unique strategy and authority that actually exists below the head which is their way of making aligned decisions for them
1: Hmm.
0: is there anything else you want to say to unpack that yeah totally um
1: okay so this is when most people hear that the Mm -hmm. like don't make decisions with your mind that's where they like (gasps) (gasps) and i'm like wait just don't think about it don't think about it my husband always says this thing he's like and he doesn't even he full middle finger semen design. He's like, can you just not with that stuff? But he'll (laughs) say this thing where he's like, don't think about it. Just look at it. Mm. And it it always strikes me as he has dyslexia. And so it always strikes me as this like brilliance of like, wait a minute. Don't think about it. Just look at it. And that's what I always say to people, which is this metaphor of imagine if all of a sudden some like multi-billion dollar company just knocks on your door and they're like, here you go. Here you go. You just became the CEO of this multi-billion dollar company. What are you going to do? You are going to freaking panic. I don't care if you're the most cool, calm and collected person. You're going to be like, I don't know what's happening. I love the fact that there's multi-billions of dollars coming my way. But where do I turn? What do I do? Where's up? How do I get to this person? Who do I need to contact? What are the details? Can you please fill me in? Oh my God, I don't even know what's happening. Right, Mm -hmm. You will go into a panic. Yep. That's not your job. Someone just handed it to you. Oh, here, be the boss of this company. That's what we do to the mind. Mm-hmm. We say, here, be a decision maker. And the mind's like, what do I do? I don't even know. Do you want to do that? Should I do that? What if this happens? What if that happens? Oh my God, I can't even believe that. What if that, that thing I did back then? Right. And it's like so fast because it's panicking because the mind is not here to make decisions. The mind is here to be awareness. The mind is here to analyze. The mind is here to eventually, when we, you know, paddle far enough down the stream of deconditioning, be an outer authority. Mm-hmm. But take that job away from the mind. And all of a sudden, the mind is relieved. The mind's like, oh, okay, okay. And all of a sudden, awareness opens up. And all of a sudden, a mental life that is rich and enjoyable opens up anxiety goes away Mm -hmm. and when it comes it's just a cue it's just a you know kind of like hey pay attention to this it's not a baseline chronic state and so really if we can take the the job of decision making away from the mind by engaging the body Mm -hmm. that is when we start to free up our awareness and that's when we become different beings and that's what we're trending toward we're trending toward being awareness centered beings that can interface with things in a way that's not mental pressure driven, which, you know, when we talk about like the the classic chakra system, the seven centered mm-hmm. being, those beings were mental. We are not those beings. We now have nine energetic centers in our bodies. So we are trending away from that, but all of our conditioning, all of the dogma, whether it's yoga, religion, this thing, that thing, those were all created. By seven-centered beings, and they worked for seven-centered beings, and they're not bad mm-hmm. for us to engage with, but they're not the end-all be-all. The end-all be-all is coming back to the authority that is the body awareness, so that yes. the mind can be awareness.
0: Mm. I love the way you just broke all that down, Alyssa. Thank you for that analogy. It makes a lot of sense because I think so many people are just like the mind is is what thinks; it's what makes decisions. What else am I supposed to make decisions with? And one of the things that human design really taught me that I'm still very much working to decondition. Like this is, this is the thing, y'all. Like when you come into human design, it takes time to start unpacking all of the ways that you've been told your whole life that this is supposed to be done or this is supposed to be done and coming home to find like, what is my truth? How does this work for me and, and my unique yes? And oftentimes we are using a center within the chart in a way that is uh, like going to push us into burnout or going to like make us exhausted. Like if we are trying to force with willpower rather than waiting for alignment, if we don't know when enough is enough and we're overusing that sacral energy, if we're a projector and Like, we're not waiting for the invitation. We're not waiting for recognition. And we keep trying to like force ourselves into people's fields. So, a great example for me is like, so projectors can get a bad rap for being like bossy or know it all. Projectors are very wise, kind of oracular beings. They, they see things in a way that others often cannot. And because they need to wait for the invitation, which is their strategy, wait for recognition before speaking. If they, if they aren't listening to that, it can feel really abrasive with our penetrative aura to just start shoving something down someone's throat that they did not invite. We didn't get consent for that. So when I started having like all my awakenings around like everything around like environmentalism and around spirituality and whatever, I just wanted to like tell my family, this is how it is, and you're doing this wrong, and I can help you with this, and this is why you're struggling with your health issues. And it's like, they didn't invite any of this. I was so obnoxious and abrasive to them, and it was coming from a place of really good intention of caring a lot and learning all these new things and seeing things through a new lens, but it wasn't invited, and they didn't recognize me as somebody that they wanted to learn from, or as somebody that held some sort of wisdom or guidance. And so it was misaligned for me to start projecting everything i wanted them to know onto them and i burnt myself out like i noticed i would have a lot of throat issues i would get bitter i would feel unseen why can't they just get it and when i started learning like i actually need to just conserve my energy and and kind of yeah wait for those aligned moments when when somebody does want to invite them and then i'm not wasting my breath I'm not talking to somebody who doesn't want to hear it and pissing them off and suddenly they can hear me and it's a much more enjoyable interaction.
1: Oh, so well said. So well said. Yeah, the good intention means nothing Yeah. for projectors <laughs> who are not waiting for invitations. It's like the <laughs> worst thing because obviously like energetics matter, intentions matter, not when you have an aura that is penetrative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and that's, can, I want to go back to something you just said that mm-hmm. if people are new to human design it might be really illuminating for them. You said sometimes we use centers wrong. And I love how you said that. It was like so simple and mm-hmm. distilled into the point. If you are looking at your human design body graph, the, the centers you have colored in. So each like little shape is a center, right? It's an energetic center. It represents kind of an energetic well in our body or an energetic point that is uh, generative of energy, a certain type of energy if you're looking at your body graph, there's certain centers that are open or undefined. Those are white. And there are certain centers that are colored in. Those are defined. The centers that are colored in are what make you your type. So for example, if you have a colored in red box second to the bottom in your body graph, that is a defined sacral center. And that makes you a generator type. If you have that and it connects up to your throat center or it connects to another motor that connects up to your throat center, that makes you a manifesting generator. So your definition is what gives you your type. And your definition is indicative of the energy that you have consistent fixed access to. So what Soraya just alluded to is this energy of the projector, which does not have a defined sacral and does not have motors to the throat. That would be a manifester, no defined sacral, mm-hmm. motors to the throat the energy of a projector needs to be efficient and how it's efficient is actually rather inefficient. It's efficient by absorbing everything through its penetrative aura. But as you just spoke to so beautifully, people who are projectors often really ruffle other people's feathers because the best way I've heard it put is that the auric field of a projector is almost like sticking a knife in someone's chest if we're not invited. That's how intense it can be. And this is one of the first videos I remember it's a, it's a gentleman who lives in Hawaii and he's talking about it and he's a projector and he's just like this, like ball of beautiful energy. And he's like, you know, how would you feel if someone just stuck a knife into your chest and then started telling you what to do? And I was like, "Ah, I think I've been doing that to people. And that's exactly the thing is like human design lets you figure out how your energy works the best. No one wants that. I don't want that. I don't want to do that to people. Same with generators. So many generators on this earth have a really clear sacral response, right? The sacral center is a center for life force, workforce energy. It is pre-verbal, right? Before energy ever made it up to the throat to be verbalized, there was sound. Mm -hmm. Hey, you want to go out for a glass of wine? Uh -uh. You know, and that's where many, many, many generators still have that. But they are so conditioned to send... The response up to their head that they'll do something like, you know, let's say I ask my husband, who's a pure generator, you know, you want to go out to dinner tonight? He's like, uh huh, all right. You want to go get sushi? Sure. He says sure. Why? Because he's conditioned to try to please me. Hmm. Oh, she she asked for sushi, so soon she, she must want that. But that sound that came out before the sure, that's indicative enough that that's a no you want to go to pizza? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's go to pizza. Mm -hmm. And so learning as you alluded to how to not just engage with your own strategy and authority, but also engage with how other people's mechanics work is a game changer.
0: Absolutely. Yes, it's so huge. I think sometimes it can feel like because we see so deeply into people that that if that's not consensual, that feels if, if they didn't invite us to look deep into their soul that can be like get out of here and give my soul some privacy if somebody is like <laughs> wanting to feel seen or like wanting a guide wanting to like hire someone to work with that's an incredible quality and so it's about like knowing the context and like when when timing is right when the environment is right it's like waiting for that alignment and not mm-hmm. forcing things and trusting in timing and I think that's one of the hardest parts of, of human design is like being able to soften into that trust and waiting for alignment and 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 timing and, and not trying to like force our mind or our ego's agenda onto how we think it's supposed to go, which is one of the things that's, yeah, I think challenging about deconditioning. It, it's like you said, knowing that about Your husband, like you can help see underneath his conditioning and what a beautiful gift to give someone instead of just like, oh, well, I heard in your voice that you don't really want sushi, but you said yes. So let's go get sushi. And then he's not going to be fully enjoying himself like he's going to feel like he compromised himself in some way. And that all might even be an unconscious process. He's probably not sitting there being like, damn it, Alyssa, you know, convinced me to get sushi again. But, right. <laughs> but if he's wanting pizza, it's very different than sushi. And he's not going to yeah. have the same experience he could have otherwise.
1: Yes, and neither am I. Because mm-hmm. energetically, I'm going to feel his no the whole yes. time we're sitting there. And that's where, you know, Ra, the, the human who transmitted the system of human design, he speaks to this, this concept that to me is just so simple and also so mind blowing. And he says, if every single generator actually engaged their sacral, if every single generator, which for y'all who are listening, who aren't as familiar, 70% of the population alive right now have access to a sacral yes, no in their body, a, a pre-verbal sacral yes, no, because 70% of the population are generators. So he speaks to this concept. He's like, if every single generator just responded from their sacral reverently, the frequency of the world would change overnight. Mm. And when I ever heard him say that, I was like, holy shit, that is not a joke. Like, that is not a joke because everybody can feel, and more and more so as we liberate our awareness, everybody can feel a no, that's a yes. And everybody can feel a yes, that's a no. We can. We all can that's the wonkiness, you know, you can feel it through a text message, you can feel it through a voice memo, you can feel it at the supermarket. Everyone can feel a yes, that's a no. Mm-hmm. And it's a frequency and it's a frequency of lack and of fear and of conditioning. Mm-hmm. And so it's so simple where really, truly, what would life look like, feel like vibrate, like if we all followed our strategy and authority, it would probably be very different better, who knows, but for sure
0: different than it is now. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's so much people pleasing and dishonesty that happens when we're not in connection with our strategy and authority. And that's a huge theme. It's been a huge theme in my own life and with my clients. And that that learning I was a projector and starting this deconditioning process has helped me with so much because mm-hmm. I think most people think people pleasing is coming from a place of love. It's like, "Oh, I don't want to hurt the other person. I want to give them what they want." But it's not. It's coming from fear. And people pleasing, holy shit, like it can be so hurtful to the person on the other side to receive this like dishonest expression of you. Like I've had you know a best friend that told me after like six years i've been people pleasing so hard this past six years that like i've never been honest with you like i've never shown up in my authenticity and that was like ouch like you know my best friend has never like brought forth her real self with me in six years and that was that was really painful to hear i've had people quit a job that like every meeting we had we're checking in like everything's fine we're working through this da 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 and then suddenly just like gone and like just quit without notice and it's like okay why why didn't we talk about any of this why was there you know everything's good da da and so i think that it's it's actually can create a lot of pain to not be in our authenticity and not just for the people we're interacting with but for ourselves as well i think mm. being misaligned with our authentic expression is one of the deepest causes of unhappiness of depression of feeling lost and unfulfilled in the world and so it's it's challenging work but it's so worthwhile to really fine-tune so like what is my true yes and my no and how do i honor that in every situation
1: Mm, yes (laughs) wow yes and it is challenging and Mm. it is no more challenging than being misaligned yes like for absolute sure it is not and that's i love that you just spoke to that because i think that is where You know, we always perceive what we don't know as worse or like more challenging, but it's also so liberating to move into spaces of ourselves, iterations of ourselves that we don't yet know. Yes. Not just for ourselves, but it also permits everyone around us to do the same. And as we say this, I do want to just speak to a little asterisk if we were writing this, which is like everybody's authentic expression and process and way of digesting and absorbing information and experiences is radically different. And so as you listener, me, you, as we all come into our own ways, it's like, also don't expect your way to be the way because everybody's got a different body graph. Everybody has different mechanics, you know, even projector to projector, you're going to have vast chasms of differentness. So really allowing yourself to learn your own process and trust your own process and also trusting that other people have their process
0: on their way as well. That's such a good reminder, absolutely. And that's
1: what's sexy, right? That's Mm -hmm. what we were talking about before. That's like when you feel people's life forces, when you're like, oh, (laughs) they trust their process. They know their process. They know what's happening for them. You know, in Mm -hmm. any given moment, they are present in their process. And that's what, you know, when we're talking, when we talked about Eros earlier, We talked about the erotic. It's like, you don't look at a tree and go, oh, did you grow the right way? Oh, son, did you rise in the right spot? No, you don't. You just go, holy shit, it is so confident in its own expression that it is doing it and I am enjoying it and thank you for the shade I'm sitting under. You know, or thank you for the lightning storm or whatever. Same with humans.
0: Yes. Yes. I love the way you spoke to that. You know, something something important to keep in mind is that as you decondition and come into your authentic self, I think a lot of people have a fear of like, well, I'm going to lose people in my life or people aren't going to like me when I start owning my no or asking for what I really want. And that can be a part of it. Absolutely. And anyone who loves you and, and wants the best for you is, is going to work with you on that and and hopefully be authentic to themselves too, stay true to themselves but they're going to support you in being who you are and if they don't like sometimes sometimes we realize we're really misaligned with people like a penguin isn't supposed to live in the desert and (laughs) trying to like force itself to live in the desert is going to be a bad situation and you know we we have ways in which we're symbiotic with people and ways in which we just don't mix as well and trying to force ourselves into a box of being liked by everyone is is always going to create unhappiness and, and discord on so many levels and so i think there's a deep trust involved that i can trust my strategy and authority to guide me into alignment and to surrender to the knowing that that's not going to look how I think it's going to look. And there's going to be a whole magic and mystery that unfolds in that. But can I trust in it rather than needing to control or predict it?
1: Oh, well said. Yeah. Velvety like what you just said. It's Mm -hmm. so, so, so true. And that's you take the mind out of it. And what you just said is the truth always. Right. We don't even think about that. We're just like, oh, yeah, of course I trust. And this is something where, you know, I think as we are liberating more and more and more and more awareness, whether it's through, you know, signposts and markers of astrology, strategy and authority of human design, regardless of what it is, just more awareness. Mm -hmm. We are starting to notice, I I think that everything is a frequency, like it's about the feeling. And I just had this discussion with one of my friends who's also an incredible practitioner. We've both had moments of tension where we say no, no, like no's that kind of catch each other off guard. Mm -hmm. And we had the conversation of a no and a yes that are true are the same frequency. You know, She was like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous that my no is going to – and I'm like, no, because, again, I can feel the frequency that that no came from, and that was the truth for you. It would have felt wonky if you said yes, yeah, and it was a no, but I can feel the frequency of a true no, and I think most people can. And so if you are someone who is doing your human design experiment, and you are a generator, or you are a projector, or you are any kind of type, but especially those of you who get that instantaneous in the body, uh-huh, uh-huh, You don't need to fear your no because anybody who you want in your life is going to respect your no because they can Mm -hmm. feel the frequency underneath it. And if they don't feel that, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they don't have that awareness and they probably aren't connected to their own yes and no. Mm -hmm. And so you being connected to your yes and no and the truth of that is actually going to give them permission. Whether they know it or not, it is planting the seed of permission for their true yes and no to
0: begin to bloom.
1: And that might feel like a lot of tension and it might feel weird, but that's only if you get in your head about it.
0: Yeah. I, I love the way that you spoke to that and the way that we can kind of set the tone for, yeah, giving one another permission to to be authentic and like, hey, we can we can be here with each other in our, in our authenticity. We don't need to like you know, jam a square peg into a round hole to make this feel comfy, but also not comfy because it's not, it's not true. I remember there was a man that I was talking with outside of the co-op in Ashland once upon a time, and we were having this really trippy conversation and like you could feel where the energy came to kind of that point of completion. And I had always been really awkward about knowing how to like navigate that point of like feeling like I needed an excuse to exit or something. And he said, well, I feel really complete with this conversation. How about you? And it was like this huge relief in my body and i was so i was so like inspired and impressed by his directness around that and just the way that he spoke to like i feel this completion how about you and i was like yeah and then we were like have a great day and we went our separate ways and it was something that gave me permission to like really speak to that feeling and to to listen to the energy and to speak to it without it needing to be like weird or i'm going to offend somebody when it's just time to transition. And that's that's so much of human design is listening to the aligned timing and not like pushing things before their time or dragging them out longer than they need to be. That's where we really start to drain ourselves.
1: Wow, that is a very (laughs) cool experience. And I can imagine that imprinting on you so hard because especially for someone who is probably like, I imagine you're very energetically sensitive. You could probably feel both of you like, all right, we're done. Yeah. And wow. Wow. I've never heard that that actually just even imprinted on me hearing that
0: story. Mm. It's a because big Because it's
1: not often that someone just goes, Here, like here's the gift of a simple distilled truth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely can't say I've mastered that at all. Like it's it it impacted me and it gave me that as like an option of like, okay, I can use this now. And I still notice the ways that like I absorb somebody else's energy or I get kind of like pulled into their field and trying to create that boundary of like, okay, I feel complete. And sometimes the people pleaser in me that, that like is worried, I'll offend or whatever. Like, you know, the deconditioning is such a layer by layer process. We can think that we've sorted something out and then it like flares up in a situation and we're like, oof, like that still has a hold on me. And from this particular angle.
1: Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And, I, and that's something that I, is kind of fun because I, when we talk about deconditioning, I think there is this like mindset of like, oh, people who know human design or have done it, like, oh, they're deconditioned. And what you just spoke <laughs> to is so important because I think by the time you have finished that process, you are dead or have gone through many a lifetime. Like, yeah. no one is entirely deconditioned. It's just how do you meet the conditioning? Mm -hmm. how do you meet the conditioning and this is something that I see come up all the time with clients where they start doing this process they're in it they're going and all of a sudden they come boom face to face with another wall of conditioning and I see this in my own experience too probably everyone does and it's how you meet the wall how you meet the wall do you find a door in the wall do you walk around the wall do you tip it over or do you you know try to smash your head into it because you're frustrated by it. Do you walk away? Do you go the other way? Do you try to avoid it? There's so many ways to meet conditioning and conditioning Mm -hmm. is just information. And so it's like, if we can meet the conditioning with awareness, which is hence why we want to free up the mind, Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden it's a whole different game. It's not some bad thing. It's just information that we have probably had emotional imprints around that we've gone, oh, this is good. Oh, this is bad. Oh, this is black. This is white. This is light. This is dark. This is this. This is that. And that's all it is. It's this and it's that. And that's what's so fun about human design is like, you know, first thing you learn when you learn human design, this all exists in a binary, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right? You're a, you know, you're a fourth line. So it's like your fourth line can express as this or as that, you know, you can be the, the companion. You can be The listener you can be that or you can be like you know what (laughs) i'm over this (laughs) like i don't actually want to be your companion anymore i don't actually want to listen to this anymore not not my frequency right like you can be you're 59 your gate of sexuality it's in the fifth line you can be the seducer you can be seduced it's this or it's that and it's always different you don't have to always be the seducer it's
0: Mm -hmm. can you
1: be in alignment enough to let whatever expression on that binary come out that is organic
0: right right and i I love how you speak to that because it's there's, there's always like a, a choice in how we want to engage it. And I think that's another thing that's important to note about these kinds of systems is there's like A fate and free will interplay where it's like these are like this is like the design that we came here with. This is like kind of how we are designed to work, kind of how each of us has like our own body. And like some people's bodies are like innately kind of more flexible and some people's innately build muscle more easily. It doesn't mean you can't become flexible. It doesn't mean you can't build strength. It doesn't mean any of these things like you get to choose how you engage the the set of uh, the design that you that you've incarnated into and like how how do you want to play with those themes and so just because you have a challenging theme in your chart doesn't mean like you're destined to be fucked by that theme it's an opportunity to lean in and be like i'm gonna really treat this as some jedi ninja training and like step into a more empowered version of myself through this initiation portal
1: yeah yeah so true I like the I like the body metaphor because that is something I think everybody has physically experienced Mm -hmm. that's a great metaphor for like the design that we are incarnated into and Mm -hmm. that is (laughs) as you were saying that you know when you said the thing about the challenging aspects or mechanics everybody has challenging aspects or mechanics Mm -hmm. it's like you know regardless of who you are I mean 50 percent of the population has an emotional wave Mm -hmm. and More times than not, people who have emotional waves, you know, this is me talking to everyone that is my client, everyone who has had a human design reading. The emotional wave people are like, ah, I wish I didn't have this emotional wave. It's a pain in the ass. Ah, ah, right? They're like so annoyed by their emotional wave. And then the other... 50% 50% of the population are like, God damn it. I wish they didn't have those emotional waves. All I can feel is their emotions and they feel like mine. And I think I did something wrong. And holy shit, I'm still so feeling the emotions from six months ago of my partner, of my lover, of my mom, you know, whatever. And I always just laugh because it's like what you just said. You want to turn it into resistance, then you're going to get stuck. You're going to meet the wall and the same wall over and over. But the minute you do what you just said, that Jedi mind training is the moment that you're like, No, I've got this emotional wave. Objective observer, right? Immediately. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does that do for me? What is the pattern? How can I use it in my to my advantage? How can I use it for other people? Right? And same with open emotional people. Open emotional people get fucked up because they grow up thinking that they're so emotional. And I know because I'm one of them. And then they Mm -hmm. learn their human design. They're like, wait a minute. These aren't mine. why do I feel them like this then? And it's like, well, you feel them like that because you're here to be an emotional barometer for the environment. You are here to feel people. You're not here to identify with it. And that's, you can break apart every single center and the mechanics of every single energetic center in the body graph and find patterns like that. Emotions and the emotional wave is just one that's really up right now because we are just at the fringe. We are just at the precipice of a huge. Mutation, a global mutation that is a 400 year process that we are just finishing and therefore all endings are beginnings coming to the beginning of a new process. And that is the mutation of the solar plexus, of the emotional solar plexus. We are mutating as creatures in where our awareness lies. And so, you know, that's something that regularly is up for people is they're highly aware of their emotions. They're aware of their emotional shadows. They're aware of, hey, I have no idea how to navigate this emotional wave. But then you start looking at the patterns of it and people feel liberated because they're like, oh, my emotional wave actually gives me energy, it gives me clarity, it gives me awareness, it lets me tap into right timing, so on and so forth. And so to your point, yes, everything is an opportunity.
0: So if your curiosity is piqued and you want to dive deeper into human design. I am now offering a la carte human design readings for a limited amount of time. Normally I only offer these as a part of my larger, more committed private coaching packages, but I'm feeling really lit up and excited about human design and excited to share it in a more accessible way. And so if you want to dive deeper, I'm offering the first five readings to the first five people who claim them for 15% off. You can do that through the link in the show notes. and afterwards there will be more available at regular price for a limited period of time so if you want to learn more about your unique design and how to come into deeper alignment and authenticity in the way you live your life i would be stoked to support you on this journey i would love to be your guide and if you're feeling the call follow that link in my show notes Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah and i i can definitely relate with um i'm an emotional authority and and sometimes it does feel super annoying. Like I find it to be a tricky one to navigate. Sometimes I'm like, oh, like that sacral response sounds so nice and easy. And my emotional wave can can take a long time to ride out and find that clarity. But it's taught me so much about like once I understood that I have emotional authority, I learned how to fine-tune my communication in a very different way because I started noticing a pattern that if I respond to a text message when I'm emotionally charged and that could be like positive or like positive or negative for lack of better terms I could be really excited about something and like just kind of like spew that excitement in a way that was like kind of like overkill and then maybe later I come down off the emotional wave and I'm like that was really intense and not how I feel right now Or I could like be really upset and say something I don't mean and like speak with with not the type of clarity that I want to speak with and then feel really shitty about it after and be like, oh, man, I should have waited on that one. And so for me, like I I really give it space. And I like you said, the emotional wave gives energy like this is time for me to move this through my body or to do something creative and, and move it through. And then when I feel more clear then I can engage the situation at hand and communicate from a place that I'm going to feel much more aligned about in in hindsight. Yeah.
1: Wow. You just described that so well. And that's like anyone who's listening just got a gift. Truly. (laughs) Truly. Because a lot of the time people who have not yet observed their emotional wave, especially if you have a tribal emotional wave, which you do, right? There's two Mm -hmm. tribal emotional waves, the 4037, the channel of community, or family and then the 1949 the channel of synthesis and those are both tribal waves and so they like literally do what you said they ratchet up and up and up and up and that's where emotional reactivity happens especially in the interpersonal because it's the tribe it's tribal Mm -hmm. circuitry it's about you and the other it's being a part of a whole and that gift you just gave everybody was there's no truth in the now Mm-hmm. And that is the freaking mantra with anyone who has an emotional wave is that there's no truth in the now. There isn't, there just isn't. You don't right. want to respond in a high. You don't want to respond in a low. You want to respond when there's a lack of charge because then you've moved through both the high yeah. and the low. And all of a sudden you're like, cool, I got it. I got yeah. it." Is that, does that happen for you where you go through the cycle and then you're like, Oh cool. No charge here
0: totally and and sometimes certain situations like it's very hard for me to get to like certain decisions that i'm making it can be like wow it's so hard to find that point of clarity and it can take a really long time but like in the situation you're just talking about like yes that is so helpful you Now i've had times where i felt really ashamed for how that emotional wave caused me to react in a situation and that is where the real alchemy is of of like knowing this about yourself and seeing Okay, like I, I don't like myself when I respond in this reactive way on this wave. What, what can I learn from this? How can I transmute this into actually becoming, a really grounded, clear communicator and using this as a pathway, using this obstacle as a pathway to my gift, instead of seeing it as like, this is annoying and I'm fucked. <laughs> and there's it's a very different perspective shift around it.
1: Oh, for sure, and that's what you just said about like seeing it as a pathway, a mechanism to your gift or to clarity is so true because especially with emotional waves, you start, you know, every single client I've ever worked with who has an emotional wave, as soon as I show them the pattern, which every emotional wave has a visual pattern, right? The tribal waves, they ratchet up and then they break. And actually after they break, and you could probably speak to this better than I can. I don't have one. I've only felt them amplified. After they break, after they're like, fuck you, I'm triggered. I'm this, I'm that. I don't, then they're like, boom, cool. Actually the next day, two hours later, two days later, I actually feel fine. I'm sorry. That felt shitty. I didn't mean to do that, but it's just where I'm at. Right. It's like build and build and build gets to the highest point of tension and then it breaks. And then there's calm.
0: Yes. That's, it's so, so real.
1: It, you feel that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. my partner and I both have emotional authority and he like, I had to, what I learned about myself, this was one of the most important things I ever learned about myself is like when I'm in that heightened emotional state, I have to take space. There is no navigating this in an effective way when I'm like filled with rage or pissed off. And like, I know that that's going to pass. I know that about myself now. But like you said, the no truth in the now, if I'm in this state of rage, and I'm perceiving him in like this kind of way, the words that I speak from that place are not gonna be the words that I want to speak that are gonna be the most constructive way of navigating the conflict at hand. And so for a while there was something where he was like, I need to sort through this right now or it's gonna like distract my whole day. And I was like, you do not want me to talk about this right now. Like I need space to myself to go decharge And once we started working with that, like it changed everything. It was it was mm-hmm. so important for us to both go discharge that energy because he's emotional authority, too. And he just didn't really recognize that he also needed that space that we would both benefit from it and yeah. communicate in a more kind, compassionate way. But and, and 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 simultaneously, like I do have to let the charge ride out because let's say we even work through a conflict and and like rationally logically we've worked through it but that charge is still within me and he's like well are you are you still just gonna stay mad and I'm like well I'm not like choosing to stay mad right now this is just the part of my wave that I'm in and it will pass but like don't force me to move through it like I will come out on the other side and I'll be fine but right now this is where I'm at in it and I think when we can know that about ourselves it's very liberating because we can we can kind of see the pattern we see what's happening and we know this this too shall pass I'm gonna come out on the other end and be just fine
1: hell yeah yeah so I love that you just shared that dynamic you guys have because I think that that is so constructive is like the taking the time like let the charge neutralize I'm Mm -hmm. also curious what do you know what channel he has that gives him his wave
0: (sighs) I don't remember actually that's okay Um,
1: people that have so what you were just talking about when he's like are you gonna stay mad anybody who has tribal driven wave that's an emo- emotional wave one of the one way that you can play with if you if you guys are game to try this is like is yeah. touch touch will actually often break mm. the wave so what i always like like to describe it as is like it's almost like a like the 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 break is necessary what you just said the break the crying the rage the huh, that is super necessary for the tribal wave to come back to its Mm. form. Like it needs an outburst of some type. It needs to literally release. Mm. Think about a tribe, like pre-verbal again, your neither of these channels make it up to the throat. Right. If you look Mm -hmm. at the body graph, one is whale center to emotional center and the other one's emotional center to root. They are not touching the throat. So like you just said, you can have a logical conversation and be like, cool, logically I'm on board. Like I'm not upset with you. Logically, I understand where we're coming from, but still in your physical body Mm -hmm. is the tension of you have not broken that wave yet. That wave is still at the climax. And for Mm. a tribal wave, the climax doesn't feel comfortable. The climax is actually where you're like going out of your skin. It's where you're Mm. crawling out of your skin. And so touch, because it is pre-verbal, will often break the wave. It will let someone cry. It will let you soften in. And it's often such a radical practice because usually... People don't want to be touched in their ratcheted up phase. They're like, mm-hmm. "Get the hell away from me!" But it's something to play with.
0: I love that you just spoke to this because there's there's so much wisdom here. Like this is this is actually a realization that I had in a session I was receiving yesterday. Is that there are ways that I've blown out my throat in the past by like trying to move that emotional energy through the throat, which is not the throat's job for that. And, and, you know, said things I didn't mean or like, like really just hurt my voice. And for me, it's, yeah, it's movement and and the physical that has to discharge that. And um, both of our love languages touch. And so, yeah, if we do get to that point where the guards are down enough to be like, one of us is going to move in and touch, it's, it's so helpful. And another way that we work through that is we will dance when we're like, dance is our our biggest love language. And Mm -hmm we will sometimes have these like fiery almost like kung fu type dances where we're like pushing each other's edges and there's like aggression in it but there's a way for the body to move it through that words just aren't going to touch like words aren't going to solve the problem our bodies need to work it out kinesthetically and Mm -hmm. we've learned that about ourselves and it's such a game changer because it's like we can we can come out of it feeling so much more connected and and I hadn't even like linked it to that that tribal circuitry needing touch. So I love that you just tied that all together for me.
1: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for receiving Thank it. Thank you. And also, yeah. And that's the magic of the mechanics of human design. Like you can just, the deeper you go in and the more you observe, it's what you're talking about, right? Like, the, of course, dancing would work. And now I'm like, all right, I'm really curious what his is. Um, but And that's going to be, again, that is a way. Now you look at someone who has, let's say, the channel of transitoriness, right? The collective Mm -hmm. 35 in the throat, they get a progress of change of hunger. And you look at the gate 36, the gate of crisis, darkening of the light in the actual solar plexus, that channel, it wants to fucking talk. It wants Mm -hmm. to have an experience. And then it wants Mm -hmm. to be like, this is what I experienced. This is what I did. This is what went right. This is what went wrong. And it wants to verbally share its collective circuitry. So it's driven to share. Then you get the moodiness of the individual, the channel of openness. The 12, the gate of caution, and the twenty-two, the gate of grace. That one, it wants to chit, it wants to talk, it wants to share, but only if it's in the mood to do so. And so mm-hmm. right there you can differentiate between three different types of waves. Yes. All of them have completely different mechanics. Totally. So that's where like giving each other the space and the the kind of objective observer, hmm, how do they move through their emotional wave? How does it feel yes. if you're someone listening with an open emotional center? How does it feel in my body when they move through their emotional wave? What patterns mm-hmm. can I notice? What entry points do I have to communicate with them? Do I, should I just like rush in and give them a hug? I had an experience with someone once who has two, two tribal, two travel emotional waves and she was like in it and we're in a space and she was, you know, just like I could feel the tension and I didn't know this was going to happen, but she sat down next to me and I literally just like put my arm around her full release Mm. and I was like holy shit that's the tribal wave I had never seen it that clear because I could tell she didn't want me to touch her and I just like I I didn't think about it I just like went in for it my cancer ass it's like back up (laughs) and the tears came and the release came and I grew up with a mom who has two tribal emotional waves and she was the Mm. same way in hindsight if you just came in and touched her it doesn't even have to be a hug she would break whereas someone who has an individual emotional wave if you get in their space when they are in their low no they actually need to be alone they need to be alone mm-hmm. with their creative muse so it's like there's just we are all so different and that's beautiful i mean human design is the art the science of differentiation
0: god that is such a beautiful example of of why it can be so helpful to understand ourselves and the people in our lives because We never want to make someone else wrong for how they need to process something, even if it's not at all how we would do it. And I think we see a lot of that in our culture. Like there's so much shaming around being like loud with your emotions or like you should be more rational or why can't you just talk through this? Or, you know, there there can be so much projection and expectation around this is how you should navigate this or I can do this. Why can't you show up in this way? And that can be so hurtful and just create such a deeper disconnect. So that example you painted was like beautiful, as to how, when we when we know these things about one another, we can really meet each other. It's like having, it's like having an like a like a roadmap to how one another, how one another works. Like mm. it's almost like yeah, it's, I just find it so so helpful. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it, it is it is so helpful. <laughs> Hence why <laughs> almost every single practitioner, especially projector ones, who touches it, it finds it helpful. It's like you can. Yeah. And this is something I always say to people: is like you can know all the nuance. And you also can just not and know the strategy and authority and look at someone's body graph. And both of those sides of the spectrum are helpful because they do give data that someone might not even be aware of. Right. My body graph is going to speak things to you that you can read about me without ever having to meet me. Yes. And that doesn't mean you know who I am. It's a symbol. It's signposts and markers. But you can go, okay, interesting. Alyssa has a defined throat. She's got to define Ajna. She's got to define G. So that says a lot. So, you know, if I'm sitting in your space, Surya, and you're in your emotional wave, you know I'm feeling your emotional wave. And that's not a bad thing. You just know I'm feeling it. And I know you know I'm feeling it. Mm -hmm. And I know you're feeling your emotional wave, too. And so Mm -hmm. it's like just that alone already puts us on a level above where we would be interpersonally as far as understanding goes.
0: Right. Absolutely. There's there's so many pieces like that. Like my my partner has a defined G, I have an undefined G. And for me, where we live, how our house feels, the location, all of that is so fucking important. Like I need that alignment in in such a hyper particular way that he does not. And honestly, human design helped us so much with so many facets of our our compatibility and just how to work with each other. But he used to just be like, why can't you just be happy anywhere why can't you just be more adaptable like this doesn't bother me in the way it bothers you and then as i learned about the g center i was like this makes so much sense like we we just operate in different ways around this and and that's okay and we but like when we understand that about each other there's not like the judgment around it again it's not the like well this works for me i don't see why you can't get it together so there's, there's more compassion that comes through when we get like we're actually wired very differently
1: Mm, Yeah. And then it flows. Right. Then Mm -hmm. it flows because you're like, oh, understanding who knew this was going to be so revolutionary. It's like understanding is like the lubricant of relationships. Yeah. If I can understand you, I can move with you. I can Mm -hmm. dance with you. I can fight with you. I can play with you. And it's all an experience. If I don't understand you, I'm terrified.
0: Right. And like, can I can I empathize with you, even if like my mind can't wrap myself around like how that actually feels for you to be in an environment that's just not in alignment? Like maybe I don't mentally get it, but I can like feel energetically how that affects you and I can just like support you in that.
1: Yes. yes. And, yeah. you know, if we zoom out really big picture, let's be real. Relationships challenge everybody. Mm-hmm. And we're also moving into a time space, at least in my perception, where it's going to be really important that we are all grounded into our individual uniqueness, really important. And -hmm. we're going to be far more, let's say comfortable, more, have more ease, have more flow. If we can be grounded into our individual uniqueness while also being in relationship, like no one is going to be able to exist without relationship and Mm -hmm. we're not We're moving out of a phase where the relationships needed to be homogenized. We've been living in what for the last 400 years, what's called the cross of planning. It's a very tribal centric, logical cross, incarnation cross. That's all about being a part of the whole, but under these structures, under these guidelines, under these systems. And that is about to end in 2027. And as we move into this new phase, we're moving into a phase that is about individuality it's about your spirit it's about you as a being being here now and being energetically aligned it is comprised of the gates 34 20 55 and 59 so you've got these themes of being in the now the themes of power but power that's not forced which you keep Mm -hmm. alluding to power that comes from energetic alignment as opposed to force brute force Mm -hmm. and then the 55 abundance but abundance is a matter of spirit. Mm. Abundance is a matter of spirit. Do I react as a victim? Do I keep myself stuck? Or can I move into freedom? And then the gate 59, the gate of sexuality or dispersion. Can I be intimate? Can I bring myself, my individuality, into a space of transparency with the people I'm around? And again, that's mm. going to look different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we're really being called into that. Get your individual self together and then be in convivium be in relationship be in a dance as you spoke to Mm,
0: i love that so so much yeah really profound themes we're moving into and i'm really curious to explore with you how all of this ties into intimacy and sexuality and eros like all of the deconditioning that exists within those realms because this is something I work with people on very intimately and I think this would be a really fun topic for us to riff on together
1: oh my gosh yes! Yeah. you want to go now <laughs>
0: I'm like yeah dive in should I put yeah, my little yeah, swimming
1: let's... cap on with the flowers on it <laughs> yeah so okay love that question and I think first and foremost something that comes into my mind immediately I had a friend once and we were talking about attraction she was like well like they're not attractive. She like named a person that we both know, and she's like, they're not attractive. And I was like, I disagree with you immediately. Mm-hmm. She's like, why? Physically, da, da da da. And I was like, whoa. Okay, we are coming from completely different standpoints on what is attractive. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for me, attraction does not happen because someone has a physical body, beingness, face, whatever. That is like perfect. Yes, mm-hmm. those qualities are generally attractive, but actually, what trumps. That for me is feeling someone's comfort in their own skin even if they're <sighs> uncomfortable. Even if they feel uncomfortable in their own skin, that being comfortable with that, right? Like that like yeah, this is me. This is nope. who I am. That's what I'm doing. It's what we're doing this round. That's what's attractive for me in people. And that's because to me, those are the people who are deconditioned. Now that doesn't mean they've practiced human design. They're just whatever tensions they've had, whatever dances they've done, they've landed in themselves in such a way that is like, yeah, this is my home. This is who I am. This is who I came here to be. I'm not going to try to change it. You're not gonna try to change me. This is me. And to me, that's so hot because it's, it's them. It's unique. You can't copy that. That's not made Mm -hmm. in a factory a million trillion times. That's not copying symptoms. That is the OG that is organic. It is original. It is them. And to me, that is what is attractive. And that's where, in my experience, in my practice, as I'm working with clients, talking to friends, doesn't matter, that is the nexus point for me. It's when someone is grounded into their uniqueness and they are present, because they're not anxious about, am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? Is everything okay? They're unique, they're present, they are here. That lets them be able to interface with energy, sensation, It lets them be spontaneous or not. It lets them have depth. It just breeds all of these characteristics that to me are characteristics of the erotic. When we talk about the sunrise Mm -hmm. or the tree, right? Earlier, we're not questioning the expression of those things. We're just like, fuck yeah, that is that. (laughs) And that is beautiful. And that to me is the nexus point between human design, be yourself, let your mechanics express themselves, and then watch the movie of your life and the erotic be yourself, enjoy the mechanics of your life and the sensations that they catalyze.
0: Mm. I am so on the same page with you about this, Alyssa. I was just talking about this with my partner the other day about how Mm. that, yeah, that being comfortable in your own skin and in your authentic expression is everything. Like to me, attraction really shape shifts based upon that like as i get to know somebody many of my partners i met on the dance floor through dance it was like that like embodied kinesthetic like um, energetic feeling of like this is this is how you move in your body and that was that was something that like you know taught me a lot about who they are and, and got to like peer into them in a way and there's been so many people that like visually i thought they were attractive at first and then As we started talking or you know as i observed them like never mind i actually don't feel that way or somebody who like i wouldn't have noticed as just like first glance visually attractive that then like becomes the sexiest person in the world to me because of who they are and how they carry themselves and yeah just how they show up and who they be and that alignment is everything and i was i was just talking about this with my partner the other day because I was noticing just in my dance class, like how different people come to life, how like there's this, this one woman who, you know, like you just, I, I wouldn't have like pinned her to, to feel like the way that I feel when I watch her dance and like she drops into her body and moves. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like just captivated. And that is her raw expression coming through and it's it's just so beautiful to witness that in people of and not just through dance obviously but like when you are in your element whatever that is and i think this is why we are often so attracted to somebody when they are like doing doing like what they do in the world whether they're like a musician or they're a speaker or they're like doing their craft or whatever it is and we're just like oh god like i I feel you in that and it's it's such a sexy thing
1: yeah, I love how you just, you know, when you just said that, I actually thought of something that I've not ever thought of before, which is why we have celebrities. Mm-hmm. Because we watch them act or sing or dance. I've never even thought of that. And then, and we're we're pulled toward them and we're like, wow, they're gods. And they're, we know they're not. We know they're humans, yeah. but they are fully embodied in the expression of their gift. And yes. That might be mothering. Mm-hmm. That might be you know, massaging someone's feet. That might be all of these things. It might be working outside in a yard or, or, or doing masonry or whatever it is. But yes, to be so taken by the moment because you are so engaged, you're so present, it's a gift. And that's something I think more and more like the reason we have this rise of the erotic and eros and people pulling it in is more than ever, we are not engaged with the moment. Mm-hmm. more than ever we are in We the last two years really have conditioned us to be up here in fear state like mm-hmm. so hardcore. And I think that's why we're all going, okay, what is attractive? What do mm-hmm. I like? What feels really damn good to me? What mm-hmm. is worth my time and energy and space? And that's the creative life pulse. That is the erotic. That is like the seed popping up as a sprout, pushing through, pushing upward from the soil it's like it's not easy but the more we do it the more we get better at it and the more we get better at it the more it becomes our baseline state and i think what you just spoke to about how you've met partners on the dance floor is so cool it's i'm like i'm like geeking out over here i'm like oh yeah well you over here with your freaking willpower emotional center not making it up to the throat yeah you're probably so energetically attuned to people Mm. And how cool that you know that and that you trust that. And that's attractive to me to just hear you say that because it's like, oh, cool. You didn't even have to talk to these people. You just Mm. felt the pull and you trusted that. That's hot that you trusted it. It's hot to trust yourself. What else do you trust yourself with? Probably so
0: many things. It's, It's such a it's such a wild experience of like, yeah, the way that the way you spoke to the celebrities and how... Because it's like they're in their creative essence, which lives in the same chakra as our sexual energy. It's all second chakra. And that is like... I I see that as like our creative and sexual self is like our God self. Like we can literally create new life with our sexual energy, which is just crazy. Like I feel like everyone takes that for granted of like, oh yeah, we just make new humans by having sex. No big deal. (laughs) Like can we just like stop and like... (laughs) just process that balance. for a moment <laughs> yeah just like okay deep bows existence like that is really fucking cool that's how this whole thing is designed you know if we can create a new life with our sexual energy what else can we create with it and there's there is that god self that comes through our creativity of like we inspire a vitality and aliveness a, a response within people when we are in our elements in that way and so like you could be by society's standards the most like physically unattractive person and be like the most magnetic sexy person ever because you just own who you are and you know it so fully.
1: Right. Wow. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that what you just spoke to that has always been I mean, I remember being young and I actually had mm-hmm. young, young and oh, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful, you're so beautiful. And my mom would always look at me and be like, and you're smart and enjoy your beauty while it lasts because it's not going to be there forever. She would like – it was like a – you know, and she didn't say it mean. She like – it was a truth, and I felt mm-hmm. it. And I, I – it always made me be like, okay, if I didn't have physical beauty, what would make me attractive? And I think uh-huh. I started to watch for it. And what mm-hmm. you just spoke to, where it is that like pulling in, that engagement, that seeing someone – truly just like doing their thing and truly even if they're not doing their thing mm-hmm. just being so engaged in the yeah. moment like that mm-hmm. is just beautiful it's yeah. reverent it's like it's enjoying that life that took so much energy to create and that takes so mm-hmm. much energy to sustain yes and that is like to me that is the deepest vow is being able to say you know what i'm not going to be anxious about the thing that's coming up I'm going to just be here right now. And I I still have a lot of work on that to do. But to just engage with the sensation of now, it's that is erotic, regardless of what that looks like. You could be, you know, shoveling shit, be shoveling (laughs) shit. And it's like, what do you make? What do you make?
0: What do you make it? Yep. What do you make it? Absolutely. Presence is so hot. And I think that's so people this is this is one of the things I've spent so much time doing is helping people decondition sexuality and like what we think it's supposed to look like. I get so pissed at like every sex scene in every movie because I'm like, can we not get more creative than this? Like has no one has no one decided to break the same stupid trajectory of like, oh, these two people get really turned on, and like, usually, usually a man and a woman, the man like rips her clothes off, shoves himself inside of her, she like comes instantly, and like, then it's, it's like, that's, that's the scene. Yes, take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I just get so irritated with it because I'm like, wow, what a like, what a boring way to illustrate this infinite art of eros and and to just paint it as this linear trajectory that always goes the same way that has no curiosity or in the moment presence or exploration. And I think one of the biggest things that we struggle with, especially in the West, is seeing sex as like this goal orientation and chasing the orgasm chasing like our partner's orgasm was it successful let's check it off the list and having this sense of like accomplishments around it and i think it really just clouds the magic and and congests what is possible and especially like so much of of our generation and and younger has been completely conditioned by porn to the fact that like so many people watched porn before they ever explored their own sexuality and that mm-hmm. is fucking heavy conditioning to be yes. so deeply programmed by somebody else's idea of sex which is often so far from the true magic of what sex can be mm-hmm. and like that's what gets imprinted in your body and i've often had this curiosity of what would how would we approach sex if we had literally never seen anyone do it in any mm. context like what would that be like to let that move through us wow
1: yeah that's such a beautiful question and it it's you just asking that it it, it is the catalyst of like anyone listening it's like hey decondition yourself mm-hmm. and you will meet the deconditioning of sex because mm-hmm. that's where all of a sudden ideas are not what we're trying to embody. And I think I love that you brought it to the literal act of sex, because to me, it's what we like sex is or can be what we just talked about. The the metaphor, the literal metaphor of life, the, the experience of being so seduced, so taken by sensation and breath and connection and what's happening and exploration mm-hmm. that you're in pleasure and mm-hmm. you're in the pleasure of a process. And, whether you orgasm or not which you probably will if you are so engaged in the pleasure of the process Mm -hmm. because you're just you're present there and to me that's what sex would look like if we weren't ever conditioned by how it should look is that we would Mm -hmm. just be so engaged with sensation exploration you know the push pull the connection that's what it would look like and that would look so fucking different person to person as it does but we wouldn't question it. We wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, you know, they, they've been down. They've been eating me out for so long. And I don't know that I haven't come yet and something's wrong. Yeah, no shit, you haven't come. You're in your head thinking about it. It's like right. it's, it's such an easy. And that's the same with life. Like, oh, yeah, no kidding. You haven't mastered your whatever, your business, your relationship, your thing. You're just busy thinking about it. You're not actually in the embodied experience. And that's where the metaphor of sex is so potent in my opinion, yes. because it's always like, yeah, you, it's always sex. It is. Yep. And where are you at in your engagement? Like, are you trying to master some kind of skill that's almost disembodied because you're so focused on the skill? You know, are you trying to in my Alyssa, Are you trying to be such a good human design practitioner by knowing all the details that you forget to actually invite people to experience their life through the lens of human design? And instead, you're telling them to be their design. No, just breathe into it. And so to me, that's what sex would look like is just breathe into whatever the fuck is happening.
0: Yes. Yes. There's there's an invitation to just be curious and present and just follow mm. that thread of unfolding. And I, I, I love, too, that you brought in like even the conditioning that we have that sex equals the act of sex is yeah. a whole box in itself. And I love that we share this perspective of like all of all of life is sex. Like we are in this constant lovemaking with all of existence. Our sexual life force is the creative energy that permeates all of existence. And mm-hmm. so Eros is so much bigger than just this act of sex. And I think that's where so many people get stuck as they are trying to compartmentalize their sex life as something that happens between the sheets behind closed doors. And you know, and their their foreplay exists only in the bedroom, not throughout their whole day. And it's it's you know, it's only with their lover. Instead of like, how can I make love with all of existence and with myself in each moment and be stirring that energy within me that is always alive? Like it's not something that I just let sit on the back burner until it's it's time to have sex, and then I and then I move it. Yeah, under I love the it. Heat.
1: <laughs> Your environment even <laughs> responded to that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true. And I think that is where, I mean, look, I get why things are the way that they are because we are Mm -hmm. so conditioned to be myself included. I'm included Mm -hmm. in this productivity driven. Oh yeah. Make it, do it, end it. Cool. You got the thing. Great. Keep going. Do it again. Oh, look at now you have lots of it. Good job. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you get lots of orgasms. Good job. Cool. And, And that we miss what happens between a and Z. We do. Mm -hmm. And that's, we're just conditioned to be like that. And so I love the question you asked because it does just the question reorients the listener to, okay, well, what do you mean sex is everything? You know, you watch a flower and a bee. Mm. And that's all, that is all you need to know about sex. Look at the flower. That thing is fucking beautiful. And the beauty Mm -hmm. is functional. And that's where, like, to me, Seduction, even right? Seduction is not purely sexual to me. It's a dance, right? Like we always talk about manifestation. Oh, manifestation, law of attraction. Yeah, great. But what if we perceived that as seduction,
0: right? Mm -hmm. If I start
1: pining for something, if if you're my lover and I start pining for you, I've learned this the hard way when I was younger. You're pulling away. You're like, bitch, leave me alone. Yeah, (laughs) right but if I'm like sitting there and I'm looking like a flower and I smell good and I know that and I'm enjoying myself and I'm enjoying my experience and I'm (laughs) licking my fingers when I eat and I'm getting off on my own experience you're gonna want Mm -hmm. some of that and you're gonna be like bitch let me get that and it's such (laughs) different energy and that's where it's like like you're laughing right it's fun if we Mm -hmm. all could perceive that that's an entry point for us and that's what this course that i am teaching the erotic integration that's what it's about it's about integrating the erotic into every goddamn moment not so you can be some amazing lover or whatever yeah cool that's probably going to be an outcome but more Mm -hmm. so you can enjoy the experience of being alive as a human
0: yes yes and not 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 sell the mundane short of all the magic it has to offer
1: fuck I like how you tie that in <laughs> <laughs> bonus words <lines> to you <laughs> words. yes yes well
0: said yeah it's it's really that I, I love how you I love how you spoke to seduction and it's it's like there's there's this like magnetism that comes from just like I love being me and like this existence is yummy and through that I attract things that I want rather than like chasing them down and it's Same thing with an orgasm, like when you try to pin an orgasm down, it becomes so elusive. And so there's Mm -hmm. this opening and this inviting and really being able to be with the journey without even like, without even like having the concept of a destination so much, which is so hard to do in the West, like you said, with the productivity conditioning, like, and that's, that's another thing that ties into this is the sacral being like workforce life force vitality and sexual energy and how like this has been one of my biggest lessons is how when I am grinding when I'm chasing a goal when I'm obsessed with that productivity and checking off the boxes my vitality and my sexual energy suffer enormously for it and you know, this is not some people don't notice this as intensely as I do. Like this is definitely one of my huge sensitivities that I have hated for a long time. But again, it is one of those opportunities. It's a challenge to level up and it is teaching me so intimately about the connection between those things and about being able to move from a al- alignment rather than like forcing things and noticing that. All of, all of those pieces like flourish so much more when we are listening and, and nourishing ourselves and when we try to push things past their timing, when we try to force them into fruition and we're not listening to the the, the, the inner authority and strategy, we're not listening to the timing, we try to override that, we burn out. And mm. I see this so frequently with like couples that are just – too busy and too burnt out. And then they're like wondering where their sex life went. And, and I've, I've completely navigated this so much in my own life as well. It's, it's such a huge piece of my own journey of like, we can't just expect that vitality to be there when we've like burnt ourselves out by operating in a way that is frying our system.
1: Yeah. Wow. Super well said. And you spoke to and really alluded to a lot of nuance around sacral Beings that have definition in their sacral, and mm-hmm. beings like yourself and myself that don't have consistent, fixed access to that energy, and that's something I love how you were like, "Oh, I've I've really gotten to, or had the opportunity to level this up," because mm-hmm. I think you just spoke to the experience of a projector, and you're a projector that only has the gate of sexuality sitting there in your open sacral. <laughs> so, no kidding, this is <laughs> something that you get to level up because. You know, the open sacral in its its not-self form doesn't know when enough is enough. Like, it really Mm -hmm. doesn't. It's like, I got to actually do more and more and more and more and go and go and go. And then it's dry. Not because that's necessarily bad, but because it's pulling energy that it doesn't even have. You know, it's like, we tie this right into food, right? People that I have worked with who restrict calories over the long term in female bodies, they go dry. Mm -hmm. Their vitality is gone. It's like, you try to pull from something that's not there, you are going to dry it up. You're going to burn it out. And it doesn't mean that it's bad, right? Like I might say, "Hey, look, babe, our sex life is amazing. I really got to focus on this course I'm making right now. So I'm going to actually take that sexual energy and I'm going to focus it into this creative process." Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to be as available. That's my choice, but it's a choice and it's right. Productive in that sense that I'm going, "Hey, I'm not trying to have sex and do this and do that and do that. No, I'm going to take that Hone it, get efficient with it, mm. go. And that's transmutation. And as a projector, it's so cool that you've gotten to dial that in and that you get to like work with people around their sexuality because you probably feel it far more sensitively, far more amplified than most people because you have had to learn how to be efficient when you don't have consistent access to that source. You can amplify mm. it. But your experience and any experience of a projector, but especially you just with that gate 59 alone in your sacral, your open sacral, you've probably had to learn how to go from being kind of in that state, you know, as the Gene Keys talks about of dishonesty, where you're like pushing and pushing and pushing and like, oh no, I can do it all. It feels good into that full on transparency where you're like, you know what, If I want to be a juicy motherfucking goddess in my body. I really have to choose what I value. And then you get yeah. to teach people how to do that. And that's delicious.
0: Yes, it has certainly been my karmic path. And it's been an intense one. It's been so frustrating at times. Um, but I, I see the larger weaving in it all and and the lesson. And I, I love how you spoke to really getting to choose where you want to put that energy. And I think this is somewhere that yeah i wish so badly that i knew what human design was since i was a child and that my parents knew what it was um i honestly so i've i've struggled with chronic illness stuff for over half my life and i tracing everything back and and looking at it through the lens of human design I actually don't think I would have ever become chronically ill had I known how to work with my unique energy mechanics and had my parents known how to support that within me when I was a child. And like, no shame on them for not knowing it, but just looking back in retrospect, if like I can see how helpful that would have been. And I'm still doing a lot of like the recovery from the lifelong burnout, but I, I really tried living my life as a manifesting generator for so long and I still do in some ways like I am really still deconditioning because I often say I don't have the fuel to back like my infinite passion and inspiration. And I have to really discern, I have to choose, like you said, of like, I'm gonna put this thing on the back burner for a little bit and really hone that energy into this other piece of my life instead of trying to do it all, spreading myself too thin and then being too burnt out to show up for any of it effectively. And so that has been one of my biggest challenges is having the discipline and the discernment to really prioritize and not try to do it all at once. Yeah, wow.
1: Yeah. And, and so cool how you've made it a gift, actually, mm-hmm. because just with the depth you've had, you've been afforded in that way, you've probably affected so many people's lives with it. And that's where what you just spoke to you about. I wish I knew this when I was a child. If you are a human listening to this, and you have children or will have children, please learn their design because that is actually what the system is for adults are very hard to decondition. We are, we can do it. You know, especially those of us who found it like mid twenties, we're kind of, we're in it, you know, our thirties, we're starting to go, Oh cool. This is what it's, this is what it feels like as parts of me start peeking out. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Great. But if we can raise children with this system in our awareness, we'll raise children in a way that's not conditioned. And then your question gets answered. What is sex, that's deconditioned look like? It -hmm. looks like these children, you know, what is, what do jobs and businesses and communities look like that's deconditioned? It looks like what those children will embody. And Mm -hmm. so I think more now than ever, I mean, if I could tell you, it's actually kind of surprising, but I do a lot of family dynamics where like a mom will get her human design run. And usually she's a projector or the dad Mm -hmm. is, and they're like, We need to do our whole family. And I'm like, yes, you do. And then they will start to (laughs) dial in for their kids. And it's like all of a sudden, all the things about their kids that were wrong through the school system, wrong through the this, they're like, oh my goodness, I get it.
0: And they're able to have
1: this ease with their family. And great for the ease of the family, but I cannot wait. To be like that old grandma sitting there where like maybe 25% of the population knows human design at that point. Maybe 50 if we want to dream big. My motivation is hope. So I'll just say, let's say 50%. People are different and people will be. And that will be mm-hmm. so cool. Yes.
0: Yes. I love that. It's it's something I speak to often is how something I've, I've really... Re- pondered is how do I start bringing this work to younger and younger people I would love to find a way to bring the work I do with sexuality and with human design to younger generations because something that I hear so frequently from clients is I really wish I found you a lot sooner like why did nobody teach me this when I was in my 20s particularly around the things I've taught them about sexuality like I've had clients who are like 60, just learning to decondition their shame around sex for the first time. And they're like, my whole life would have been completely different had somebody taught me this early on. And it's true, like children, children are so much more young in their conditioning process. And if we can introduce them to you know, things through through that lens of like, but before they go through all of that, or like teaching them about like your sexual energy is the seed of your creation. Like this is a sacred thing. This is like yes. your creative life force. This isn't something to be ashamed of. And this is something that like you get to explore sovereignly within your own body. Like it's not something bad where you're expected not to touch yourself. Just like how much that would change somebody's life to have that kind of invitation mm. from such a young age.
1: Yeah, that's a great point and Mm -hmm. to be able to navigate all of that with the nuance too that specifically human design affords would just be revolutionary because i mean you can look at between your personality and your design lines you can look at how you interface like what are you out in the world using as your platform for intimacy what are you navigating as far as like how your physical body what your physical body needs you can see that all through your gates and your lines and it's not to say again, that you need to copy those symptoms, but as permission, as permission to be like, Hey, Alyssa, you're going to look different than the next person, next person. You're going to look different than the next person, next person. You're going to look way different than everyone. And that's, that's normal. And I think now there's such a, you know, even being in people's auric space is sexual, right? Like we're going to feel each other so Mm -hmm. intimately, Never mind having actual sex, engaging through the physical body, moving that energy, and imagine if we had the framework you just alluded to and spoke to. It would be just a totally different experience. So I hold the vision for that.
0: Yes, me too, and I, I love that you're getting into um, family family systems with that too because it's it's huge. It's like that's where so much of our conditioning comes from is through our family and. Yeah, if you're a projector like conditioned by a manifesting generator parent, like you're going to carry some imprints that are going to push you towards burnout and and all kinds of dynamics that can just make it really challenging for people to feel like they can be themselves so i I agree if you're a parent listening to this like please do look into this Uh, i can only imagine how life how different my life would be had i grown up with that understanding and i'm so i'm so grateful for like the perfection of how it all unfolded but certainly my life makes a lot more sense to me now having this lens to look through
1: yes and if you are a projector human listening to this too and you are like ooh burnout sounds all too familiar to me you know whether you study human design or you follow your strategy or whatever you do just keep checking in with like am i doing this because i actually desire to do this and that's the same thing with when we we're talking about do i what is my priority here if i only have so much sexual energy to use so much life force energy where do i put it that's what the sacral people who have a defined sacral that's what they're Uh uh-huh, uh huh. is. It's literally their body being like, no, we don't have energy for that. No, we don't have energy for that. Yes, we have it. And if you're a non-sacral being, what do I actually desire? Like, do I actually want to throw myself into this PhD program? Because my ego loves the idea of having a PhD. Nothing wrong with that. But do I actually desire it? Or am I doing something, doing it to prove? Am I doing it? Yes. Because I feel the pressure, right? You've got, when you said that you have had a journey through, like, chronic illness and coming back to yourself and really nourishing yourself and moving into a space of healing. I'm like, yeah, you have an open root with tons of activation there. It makes sense to me. You've got the 44 that's like body memory, right? It's like immune system. And that's where like, you can look at someone's body graph and see certain markers as a parent of, Oh, this could trend this way, or it could trend this way. And that is so helpful when your projector kid goes, I don't want to do girl scouts and you go cool. <laughs> Don't. It's fine. Just stay in your room. It's fine. Do what you want. You know, that those little things that seem like they have no effect do. They have a huge effect, especially if your child is an open sacral being or a projector sponge. Because hmm. no one has a defined aura until they're like seven, right? So mm-hmm. every single parental conditioning, energetic pattern, mechanic is is the imprint that your child takes on. And that's, I mean, I bet you see this all the time. When, when I cross the bridge from people into relationship mechanics and dynamics and their own patterning, I always say, well, what did your parents do? How did your parents eat? How did your mom, you know, communicate with your dad? How did your dad communicate with your mom? How did your mom communicate with your mom? What did that look like? Because mm-hmm. probably zero to seven, you took on that imprint and you probably just aren't aware of it. Cause you weren't really conscious of your own self until after your auric field is formed.
0: Right, right. And I I love how you spoke to that of just how we can tune into that. Like if it feels like it's dragging in your body, if it's like obligation, if it's coming from like guilt or I should do this, that's gonna burn you out. And, And I even have been through such a journey around this with my business of like people that I learned marketing from where there were things that, and this was before I knew about human design, where I could feel my inner authority resisting certain ways of doing things. But there is this part of me that was like, well, they're the marketing expert. They're the ones who's been in business forever. They're successful. They know how to do this. I should I should just try it on and, and give it a go, even though I could feel up front, like, this doesn't feel good to me. And even people that I really looked up to who I, you know, I was like, I really respect what they're saying. But that has been a huge deconditioning process in its own is like, okay, like I only want success that feels good because that's what success is to me. I don't give a shit about like the dollar number if it fried my system to get there and zapped me of all joy. And I've gone down that path. I've gone down that path and it sucks. And like, I want it to feel yummy. I want it to feel like it's not coming. I I don't want my wealth to come at the expense of my health. And that has Mm -hmm. been a big like karmic thing in my life is like feeling like those two come at the expense of one another and so really this this process of deconditioning has helped me so much with like getting out of the logical mind of like well everybody says you have to be really consistent on social media and like keep feeding the algorithm gods and that's actually like one of my most recent breakthroughs is for those of you who have noticed i'm like not posting on social media as much like i it did not feel good in my system to be like, oh, if I don't post this many times a week, like my reach is going to decrease and blah, blah, blah. And like, that felt so gross in my system. And I was like, I only want to post when I absolutely fucking feel like it. And I'm going to trust the rest. And my business does the best when I'm operating in that way.
1: Fuck yes. I love that you just spoke to that. I love that you just spoke. Okay. So many things just came up for me as you spoke to that. One, you are your own authority. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing I'm seeing the most regularly with every single client across the board, whether they're like, I want to focus on nourishment. I want to focus on sexuality. I want to focus on embodiment. doesn't matter. Are you your own authority? Are you looking outward for people to tell you what to do? That's the big question right now. I mean, especially in Scorpio season, but that is the question. Are you actually your own authority? And what you just spoke to is you being your own authority. And what I think is so sexy about that is the frequency that it emits. Mm -hmm. As a projector, same. I have this past year and a half, I've taken the most like Instagram breaks where I can feel myself be like, cool, this is starting to feel forced. Bye. And I'll literally pull Mm -hmm. back. This year I made the most money I've ever made. And it's because (laughs) I'm trusting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm literally just trusting my own body and my own frequency and people can feel that. And so they're like, cool, teach me how to do that. And I think you just spoke to that so clearly. Mm-hmm. And does it mean that I'm making millions? No. If I'm going to do that, I would probably have to fry my system or just, it's going to take a while. Right. right. And it's right timing. T- right time, build it slow, long game. And that's not the same for everybody. That, mm-hmm. What I'm saying right now is not everybody's equation. It's mine. And this is where right. the, what you just spoke to is so many things, but it all comes back to that pinnacle of Are you being your own authority? Because if you are, that's a fucking erotic frequency that you are putting out. If you're not, Mm. you can feel that through the phone. If you're aware, you can feel that through the emails. If you're aware, it's all about awareness and it's all, what does awareness tap into? Frequency. When we look at our human design, we are looking at the tip of the iceberg. There is so much underneath our design, color, tone, base. They're all frequencies. They're all frequencies. They are all how you're interfacing with the energetic field, not the physical one. Obviously, the physical one is made up of energetics, but a whole different rabbit hole. But I love that you just spoke to that because I bet you people can feel that from you. They're like, oh, cool. She's not posting as much. It doesn't even matter. When she does, it's a heavy hitter. My mind is blown. My heart is wide open.
0: My following has been growing faster since barely posting. Like it's These kinds of things will defy logic. Just like you said, how you've taken all these social media breaks and you've made the most money this year. I believe it fully. I took a four-month break from social media last summer because it just was feeling forced. I was like, I want to enjoy summer. I want to lay in the sun naked and read. And my logical brain was like, are you insane? Like you think people are going to just find you if you're just like laying in the mountains in the sun, like reading naked all day? Like that's, that's not logical at all. And my private practice filled up the first time that during that period. And it was just as if by magic, but it's because that magnetism and that, that authenticity and one of the, my teacher phrased this in a specific way recently, which like I had heard this so many times, but just something about the specific way she phrased it. And again, the timing, like right timing is everything. Sometimes something just lands with us in a different way. But uh, projectors, you know, when, when she said like when they're burnt out or, or when they're, when they're bitter, it's because they're depleted, they're burnt out. And the bitterness, which is the not self theme for projectors. So for anybody who doesn't know what that means, it's kind of like, When you're experiencing your not self theme, which for projectors is bitterness, there's something that's like not in alignment and it's kind of like guiding you back to there's something that needs to shift. And she said the bitterness is actually designed to repel invitations so that you can recharge. And I like knew that. But the way that she was like, this is like why it does this. This is the purpose it serves. It just like reset everything for me where I was like. Yeah, like anything that isn't filling my cup and feeling good in my nervous system is not something I want to do for my business no matter how logically it seems like I need it or somebody's told me I need it. If it doesn't feel good, if it's draining me, It's diminishing my ability to show up fully for my clients and it's diminishing my magnetism and the frequency that I'm broadcasting to the world that allows people to find me. And so you can trust that even if it doesn't make fucking sense, if it feels right in your body, if your authority and and strategy are just like, "Mm, yes, like that feels right, you can trust that.
1: Yeah. Wow. I love that. I love that. And I love that she spoke to that the bitterness signpost as like, hey, this is functional because that is the same thing with emotional waves when you're in your low. And that's something we, again, mm-hmm. like conditioning, it, it it's like when we talk about friction and conflict, how, oh, it's uncomfortable, so we're going to perceive it as bad. Let's avoid it. It's functional. Like literally everything has to function. Otherwise it wouldn't exist. That's- and just like bitterness is functional, just like an emotional low is functional. It's like you can't be on a high all the time. You can't be... Mm-hmm in a low all the time either, you have to have both. And that's where the binary comes in. And I love that. And just for your, for anyone listening, so that you have a framework, if you are a generator type, so manifesting or pure, pure emotional or pure, you are a generator type, your themes, your not self and your, your self themes are satisfaction when you are in alignment with your strategy and authority Mm -hmm. and frustration when you are acting from your conditioning. So, if you are a projector, it's success when you are in alignment, it's bitterness when you are moving from your conditioning or you're processing through. Manifestors, when you're in alignment, peace. When you're not, anger. And that does not mean, as you just spoke to so beautifully, that if you're feeling angry or you're feeling dissatisfied or you're feeling bitter, feeling frustrated that something is wrong with you. It's just a signpost that's telling you where you're at. And for reflectors, yes. if you are listening is when you are in alignment and surprise. when you're around people, you need to be around and you're in the right environment. You're going to feel surprised. You're going to be shocked. You're going to be like, Holy shit. Wow. Did they just say that? Oh my God. I can't believe when you're not. Oh, disappointment. There's nothing mm-hmm. like disappointing a reflector. And there's nothing like feeling disappointment as a reflector. Cause it's not always about others. It's often more about yourself. Right. So I love that you brought that Mm -hmm. in and I love not moralizing it, not being like, Oh, I'm bitter. So I'm a bad projector. It's like, no, you're bitter. So something's off. Cool. Get your shit back together and the world will come back to you.
0: Yes, yes. And thank you for breaking all those down for the different types. And I want to say to everybody who's been like, okay, you guys are just talking so much about projectors. We'll definitely talk a lot more about the other types in future episodes. And it's, it's a fun thing for two projectors to get to nerd out together. So thank you for <laughs> rolling with us on that because it's always kind of a fun, exciting thing. And I've, I've found that like most of women in my life in particular who I'm closest with or who I have the most instant connection with have been projectors and, and same with like the extended family members in my life and it's 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 been an interesting theme but I love all of the, all of the types dearly and they all have their own magic and whole worlds of inner wisdom so these are kind of some examples like through the projector lenses thank you for breaking down all of those other ones because even just understanding those like frequencies can be so helpful for just helping us come back into alignment of okay i'm feeling frustrated let me take a step back and feel into like what feels off and how can i bring that back into alignment
1: yes and to speak to that everybody's got everybody in their lives so like if you're a generator and you're like you projectors talking about your projector lives every generator knows a projector yep we actually generator projector relationships are clutch like that is Mm -hmm. generators you're here for projectors projectors you're here for generators reflectors and manifestors y'all are just unique. Yes. You fit into the whole, but there's just a certain synergy with generators and projectors. Mm -hmm. Um, Doesn't mean there isn't synergy or anyone's better or worse. Every type is, it's everybody seeing eye to eye here. We are moving out Mm -hmm. of hierarchy entirely, which is actually where the projector is born from. When we were Mm -hmm. in hierarchical structures, there was manifestors. We are now more intelligent as a species, as a, as a people, And intelligent people need intelligent leaders. And guess who's an intelligent leader? Manifestors for sure. But manifestors are not eating your energy. They are not eating your energy, digesting it, and absorbing it intimately. You know who is? Projectors. And that's what makes a projector intelligent is that they are consuming your energy and they are digesting it and absorbing it and therefore becoming it. And that's why they can speak to it. And that's why they are guides. It's not easy. We don't have sacral energy, but it's not easy to be any type. And it's also not hard to be any type. You just have to be you and take your mind out of it. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm not a projector. Go pull everybody's charts in your life and then listen to the episode again and filter it through. Oh, that asshole friend I have who I kind of hate love. Yeah, they're a projector. Cool. Now I get their mechanics. And all of a sudden your life will change.
0: I totally agree with that. That was was such a great way to explain it. And yeah, like I I do notice, I used to be really jealous that I wasn't a manifesting generator. Like I really wanted to be a manifesting generator. It was like how I was conditioned. It was how I wanted to operate. And in some ways, sometimes I still am like, damn, I want a fucking defined sacral. But I've just learned, I've learned how to work with that undefined sacral. And I really enjoy like getting to be around the defined sacrals and amplify that. And I also have to know when I need to step away from it and come back into my field And not fry myself, but I love being a projector and I want to encourage everyone to really get intimate with your design and get curious about it and to not wish you were something else because each one of them has such a potent magic and their own challenges and every chart has a conundrum in it that is like your challenge that you need to work through but it's an opportunity for mastery and so yeah there's all of them are super special and if this has sparked your curiosity I definitely invite you to to dive deeper into it and like Alyssa said give the episode another listen after you've pulled some charts of people in your life and I think you'll have some really cool light bulb moments
1: oh yeah oh this has been so delicious to just fly and free flow and riff and play and just I mean the interconnectedness is just there like we're in the west you can see it as we speak
0: yes it's so good and uh, I've, I've loved having you on here today Alyssa I definitely want to do another episode Alyssa and I have this like whole other realm of topics that we wanted to get into and we were really feeling like the juiciness and aliveness of the human design vibe and so we decided to take it there and I'm really excited to have her back on again to get into some other topics that some of her areas of specialty and areas that we're excited to geek out on together. But in the meantime, Alyssa, how can people dive into your world and uh, get deeper into the work that you do? Oh, thank you for
1: asking that question. Thank you for recognizing mm-hmm. me, project- my fellow projector. Um, oh, of course. They Okay, so easy social media. You can find me at Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A underscore true, which you'll probably put in the show notes because you're on yes. it
0: i got you I my like, virgo you're- rising is yes
1: <laughs> also your survey i was like cool this is just like full standing ovation also you have a capricorn moon don't you
0: yes and, and virgo mercury too so I, I love like the systems and i'm I'm like yeah four planets in capricorn lots of virgo and just dialing in the systems
1: you are on your <laughs> shit um so you can find me there you can also find me at alyssatrube spelled the same way, dot com. you can find really all the booking links there so there's different ways that We can work together either like one-on-one coaching where we tie all the modalities together, probably very similar to your work, which I just want to say, verbalize this. I love that despite the similarities, you're like, oh, we complement each other because I think that that is such a paradigm we are moving out of, which is competing. Mm. Certain people are going to resonate with you. Certain people are going to resonate with me. Certain people are going to resonate with both. And I just Mm -hmm. like deepest of vows to you truly Mm. for your trust. For real. Thank you. You can find me in those spaces and places. I do specific human design readings where you just get like a literal two, two to half hour download of your chart. And then we get on an 90 minute call and we dissect it. Um, that gets pulled into the one-on-one work. And then right now I have presale open for erotic integration, which is exactly what it sounds like
0: amazing oh so much juiciness encourage everyone to go follow alyssa to dive deeper into her world if you loved what you heard today i have so loved having you on here today and getting to connect with you thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your excellent exquisite articulation and i just i really love the way you channel these themes and so this has just been so fun to get to bounce all this off of one another and yeah stir up some magic together and i'm excited to do it again
1: Thank you for speaking all of that. And same to you, truly. Like it's mm-hmm. been so easy to just flow with you and that speaks volumes. So thank you. And thank you for everyone mm-hmm. who's listening you for your time, space and energy.
0: Yes. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And especially if human design was new to you and you stuck through the whole episode, episode, I congratulate you. I hope that we broke it down clearly enough for you to follow along with and uh, celebrating you for like really sticking with it because it can feel overwhelming or confusing at first. But I encourage you to just, um, if it resonates, if you're curious about it, to just keep leaning in. It's one of those things that takes time. And um, something I'm going to be weaving in a lot more with my episodes and my work, and I'll be sharing a lot of ways that you can dive in deeper to that with me as well. And so uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Have a really beautiful day. And as always, if this episode resonated with you, please share it with someone you love. Leave a rating, a review, subscribe. That is the best way to show your gratitude for these episodes. We put a lot of love into them. And it's the best way for the people who could really benefit them from them the most to find their way to them so thank you for sharing the love and have a beautiful day everyone ciao and just a reminder if you loved this episode if you want to go deeper into your unique design i'm offering a limited amount of human design readings where we get to go on a deep dive into your chart and offer guidance into how it can support you in every area of life. Receiving a human design reading is a truly catalytic experience and I love being able to offer that to people. And if you want to take it even deeper, I weave human design into my private coaching packages where the way I coach is highly personally tailored using your human design so if either of these options turn you on if you're super curious to go deeper check out the link in the show notes grab your reading for 15 percent off and i really look forward to diving deeper with you thank you so much for dropping into nectar sex and soul with me today it's been a pleasure to connect with you if this episode lit you up or illuminated something impactful for you in some way i invite you to subscribe leave a review and share it with someone you feel would love to hear it to learn more about my work check out sarayaleonara.com sign up for my newsletter and follow me on instagram and youtube where i share tons of free content special offers and ensure you're the first to know about my new offerings i offer private coaching as well as courses workshops and retreats so be sure to stay in touch if you'd like to go deeper together Thank you loves, have a gorgeous day, ciao.